0: Welcome to the St. Benedict Parish Sunday Message Podcast. Thank you for listening. And now, here's a Sunday's message. So I know many of you have been wondering since, uh, since last weekend, when it was reported that an Irishman from Cork, who came to Halifax in January, had won the Blue Nose Marathon, I'm sorry to disappoint you, it wasn't me. My fellow countryman, Nathan Ryan O'Hare, won the race. It is part of an ongoing plan we Irish have to take over Halifax. (laughs) The next step of this plan begins on Tuesday when my bishop, Bishop Fintan Gavin of Cork, will be coming to Halifax to see for himself what's been going on here. Here he's pictured with me on my ordination day and my niece, Gia, looking very happy. He wants to know, okay, how things have really been going for me. And so next weekend he'll be at the 4 p.m. and the 11.30 a.m. masses. So you might meet, you might meet him. Please only say nice things about me. Even if it's a wise lie, there's confessions available on Sunday. Okay. Now speaking of Ireland. Uh, I'd like to introduce to you this uh, Irish sport called hurling. And it's a native Irish sport, almost as fast and just as rough as hockey. And uh, growing up in the countryside, there weren't too many options uh, available to us. But if you wanted to play sport, there were two options. Either you played hurling or you stayed at home. Now, I, I love live sports, but I wasn't a particularly... Gifted athlete, but I was consistent. Consistently on the bench, keeping it warm. Okay. Now, one thing about your local hurling club in Ireland is that it's very clearly defined by its boundaries. So, if you're born in a certain town or village, then you can't play for the neighboring town or village. So, by its nature, the local hurling club is kind of fixed. It can only grow so much, and it's not exactly looking outwards, it's looking inwards. It doesn't go out to help other clubs improve their hurling skills, for example. So in a sense, it's, it's designed to be contained, to stay local. The boundaries are fixed, and the expectations are kind of limited because, well, it exists to serve the sporting needs of the local population, and now that's the sports club, so it's fine. But sometimes I've actually seen the same principles come to be applied to to a parish, to a faith community too. So I noticed this this trend back in Ireland, where parishes, they had kind of lost that fire in their belly. Their desire to grow had kind of waned because they had become self-contained. They could no longer dream. And instead, they were only providing kind of like an in-house service, you could say, they would fallen into this trap that the parish existed to suit the needs of the, of the club members, my own needs. And so unfortunately, the parish kind of becomes like this inward-looking club. In fact, there's, there's no need to grow or, or go out or to transform the world because it all comes really back to well, what my needs are and what service the parish can provide to me. And if we think about it, if we're honest, it's probably a trap we all fall into at some time, at some point in our lives. And it doesn't matter whether you're a priest or a deacon or a leader or you're brand new to the parish. We all like it when things work for us, right? Like when the mass time is, uh, is convenient to suit my schedule. Or the buildings are there whenever I need them. Our father is always available to me. And there's something neat and comfortable about this, it's local, it's familiar. Yet the problem is that when a parish becomes so self-contained that it stops growing, it cannot dream bigger. It ends up kind of becoming self-centered and entering what I call a self-preservation mode. And so this tension arises. Because the doors of our church are always made to swing outwards. And it's not just a fire safety thing, that's our faith. So there can be this tension between wanting to stay contained with what we're used to and going out. And it's something even Jesus' closest followers had to grapple with. Because we read in our first reading today from the book of Acts, the disciples of Jesus voiced their preference to stay local, and Jesus has spent three years teaching them about the kingdom of God. Surely at this point they got it, I mean, he had died, he had risen again, and he spent a further 40 days with them. Surely they got the full picture, but what do they ask him? Lord, is this the time that you will restore the kingdom to Israel? For all they had seen and witnessed, they were still stuck in this mentality of of local politics, of Israel only. Jesus speaks to them about the kingdom of God, and yet they ask the Lord to make Israel great again, albeit not in so many words. But you know what I mean. Of course, very quickly, Jesus dismisses this Israel-only thinking. He commissions them to be his witnesses, not his political leaders, not his army generals, his witnesses. Now, the disciples, they're quite comfortable with keeping things local. We're committed to Jesus. We're members of the Jesus Club. But let's not get carried away here. Let's stick to what's familiar and to the places that we know. We have a good thing going here, you know. But Jesus can dream far beyond their limited imaginations. He says you will start here, yes, but then you will go out to all of Judea and then to Samaria in the north and then to the ends of the earth to transform the world. And so James went to Spain, Thomas went to India, Peter went to Rome, Andrew went to Greece and Ukraine, Patrick went to Ireland, albeit slightly later. So the church was told by Jesus to go out. It's the very opposite to a self-contained club that's secure in its definite boundaries that exists for itself. The church's mission, and therefore our mission, is to go out and transform the world. So Jerusalem becomes the epicenter of salvation history and explosively alive, where the disciples were baptized with the Holy Spirit and became Jesus' witnesses in Jerusalem, but not only in Jerusalem. In Israel, but not only in Israel they were to go to every inch of this planet that we call home. And so the disciples' expectations, they were enlarged. And instead of looking inwards, they were sent out to transform the world in a way they did not expect. Now, just like the disciples, we can, we can impose those same limits on the church, on our parish, even on ourselves. The parish... Can become like the sports club with its defined limits, where the doors open inwards only to members only. But if we are to be jesus 's witnesses, then I think we have a duty to examine our hearts and ask ourselves, well, have we imposed, have we ever imposed those same limits at St. Benedict? Have we ever thought of it that, well, it exists to serve my needs? Or, have we, or when have the doors of my heart been only inwards-looking? Because for us who are his witnesses, Jesus says we must be outwards-focused. He says we cannot be inward-looking or self-centred, but outward-looking, seeking to be his witnesses at every moment of our lives and in every place, always looking to the other, always seeking to bear witness to his name always explosively alive in that witness. You will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Now for me that sounds amazing, exciting and a bit daunting. How does that happen? I'm only one person. We're only one parish. Well, I think that in a world that questions the credibility of the Christian faith, the most powerful form of our witness can be in our outreach to others, to those in need, our works of mercy. Now, thanks to the generosity of this parish, thanks to your generosity, all kinds of people are helped through SBB Cares, through St. Vincent de Paul, through emergency shelters. But we can do more, we can be more. Last year the parish decided to give away ten percent of its income to works of good to good causes, to works of mercy. I think this idea is quite amazing. I just came in January and learned about it, and I think it shows your trust in God, your trust in the Holy Spirit, because ten percent, after all, is your wiggle room. It's the safety net. But St. Benedict is a model for what happens when a parish shows their trust in in the Holy Spirit and is reliant on the Spirit. The Holy Spirit becomes your safety net. Think of all the people helped by this. But now imagine if every other parish was inspired to do as you have done and adjust their budgets to give away 10% of their income then think of all the people in the world who could be fed and housed and helped thanks to the generosity and outreach of Christians like you. So our witness is to to sustain this and to grow this so that St. Benedict can continue with its outreach that transforms people's lives. But not only do the, the hands of this parish extend out, Others come here looking for help, because they know this parish is a beacon of hope in a fragile world. Recently, I met a young woman called Gillian. She lives locally with her Ukrainian boyfriend, and unfortunately it's a story that is repeated so often. His family are still there, the war breaks out, and they're trying to flee uh, the war and come to safety in Canada his parents, and his five-year-old brother. And she came to St. Benedict looking for help, for advice and for resources, and for someone to share the burden of her plight with. And our go-out team with Judy was able to help her. But originally, she herself didn't know where to go. until so someone told her, go to St. Benedict. They'll be able to help you. And I know this is just one case, but there are many, many Jillians out there Imagine if every single time someone heard the name St. Benedict Parish, they thought, that's a place of authentic Christian disciples. That place is a beacon of hope for those who struggle. That place is explosively alive. And so while many other parishes around the world are in this self-preservation mode, which really only leads to gradual decline, Saint Benedict is a beacon of hope that says to follow Jesus we are called to go out and to transform the world. That is how we can model what it means to be an explosively alive faith community, where people discover Jesus, become missionary disciples and go out those very doors to transform the world in ways and numbers never seen before. And so we transform the world by having bigger and bigger alphas, by inviting more and more people to hear what difference Jesus has made in your life, by going out and helping more and more people in need, by sharing our gifts and resources ever more generously. And we can do this because the Spirit has clothed us with power so that we can be Jesus' witnesses in Halifax, yes but in all of Canada, but not only in all of Canada, in all the world, to the ends of the earth as Jesus says. Now, and I realize that people kind of already look to Saint Benedict and they say, let's try doing in our parish what they're doing there. Let's send an Irish deacon over to get a few ideas and bring them back. And we could be pretty happy with this, We can sit back and relax and say job done, we made it, we did it, the going is good here and it certainly is. As Christians we're not called to complacency, we're called to keep growing until we transform the world. To do that we need to dream and this parish has a dream, we call it a bold new vision. This is the dream that St. Benedict is an epicenter of faith, of healing, of people coming to know God and going out to transform the world. This bold new vision that we are, are part of, that we're praying with, that we're being invited into, is a dream that looks forward and says that St. Benedict Parish, the going is good, but the best is still to come. Thank you for listening to the St. Benedict Parish Sunday Message Podcast. If you liked what you heard today, subscribe and share this with a friend. God bless and have a great week.